This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode 33. Any links or resources that you hear in this episode can be found at yourkickasslife.com forward slash 33. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Very excited to bring you Michelle Ward today, who is a friend and colleague of mine. I wanted to take a moment to tell you a little bit about her. Michelle Ward has one question for you. What do you want to be when you grow up? She's answered that question for herself, and today she helps women transition out of soul-sucking jobs and into work that feels like play. You may have seen or heard her on Etsy, AOL Jobs, Newsweek, Freelancers Union, Psychology Today, the Forbes Top 100 websites for your career list, or 100 plus other media outlets. Her first published book, The Declaration of You, was co-written with the artist Jessica Swift and can be found on real and virtual bookshelves everywhere. Discover what you want to be when you grow up at whenigrowupcoach.com. And here we go with today's episode. Hey, everybody, all my ass kickers. Uh, I am here with Michelle Ward. I'm so excited. It's episode 33. So say hi, Michelle. Uh, hi, everyone. Hello. I'm going to it. So I should explain. Michelle and I were talking right before I started the recording about how it's my wish, and she has the same wish that everyone would just sing most of their language. And yeah. I think it's just happier, don't you think? Yes. You know, I um, often talk to my clients about like creating their own, you know, your name here land. So for you, it'd be like Andrea land or Michelle land. And, uh, and I always say that Michelle land, everyone sings instead of speaks. (laughs) (laughs) Michelle land. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's funny. I love it. Well, maybe we'll do a little bit of singing here in this episode. Okay, I'm all warmed up. (laughs) Well, everyone's already heard your amazing introduction at your professional bio, so they know what you do. And I want to jump right into that, into into what you do. And I love your tagline. And for those of you that that aren't aware, so here's Michelle's tagline. I help creative women get out of their soul-sucking, energy-draining jobs and into work that feels like play while still being a grown-up. Okay, so... (laughs) I mean, I'm not a career coach, uh-huh. but I have had clients who have sort of like offhandedly mentioned, whether it's in their intake packet or, or during a sessions that they, um, you know, they mentioned their quote unquote stable job that they don't love or that they stress uh-huh. out over, you know, and it's just kind of like in the, in the back of their mind. So, but I think that then tell me where I'm wrong, but I think that most women can't imagine leaving a stable well-paying job. So I just am curious, like what, what you have to say to that? Yeah. You know, I think, and and I, I absolutely agree with you, but I think they can imagine it, but what they can't do is believe it. Like they can't believe that it's going to be lucrative or it's going to work out or they're going to be able to pay their bills or they're going to essentially quote unquote, be able to be a grown up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's why I have this emphasis. And this is, this is really why I call myself the, when I grow up coach, um, is, you know, half of it is that I help creative women discover and achieve, uh, what their grown up passionate career is 
But the other half of it is that like, we're grownups. I get very few clients um, under the age of probably 28 or so. And now I'm seeing more and more women in their 40s coming to me. Um, you know, because we're at this point where it's like, you know what, I can't just quit my job. I don't want to live with 10 roommates. I have two kids <laughs> I need to feed, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like this different mindset than when we were all, you know, fresh out of college and you'll take whatever internship or, you know, job that you could go and travel everywhere, but there's no home base. Like you want different things as a grown up than you do when you're younger. So those are the, those are the, the big reasons why I, I name my business the way that I did and really what I work on my clients with. Mm. Yeah, I think, well, and I, that makes me curious because I think that, well, here's what I wonder. Mm. So, the most of the women that do come to you, do they kind of already know what else they want to do or do mm. most of them have no idea and they just know they need a career change? It varies. I would say about 90% of them come to me with an idea. Like I always ask them in my intake form or talk to them in the consultation call about like, what's the inkling? What are you thinking about doing? And I can't remember any clients. And at this point I've been coaching for, oh my gosh, um, five or six years. I've worked personally with like 250 people. And I literally can't think of one person that was like, I have no idea. (laughs) I have no ideas. I have no inklings. Um, but there are definitely people that come to me with more fully formed ideas, um, and more and ideas that they're more committed to. And then I get the people that are like, I'm thinking this and maybe I'm thinking this or maybe a bit of this. I'm like, I don't know how it would all come together and I don't know how it would work. And all I know is that I'm ready for the change, but I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. So it varies. It varies. I would, I, yeah, now that you say all that, that makes more sense. Cause I think that, you know, being a coach myself, I think that a lot of people come to us when they are, kind of sick and tired of being sick and tired and Uh, they have like one of the questions I ask in my intakes that's always so interesting all of them are so interesting but this mm -hmm. one I think is one of my favorites is what is the truth about you that you are unwilling to talk about oh that is such a big juicy question some people like blow my mind and it's Mm -hmm. it's such a place of being really vulnerable and and really you know trusting that person who's going to read the answer because And it could change from day to day, but most of us have like something that, you know, that could really change our life if we just said it out loud, really like that's the, that's the very first step. Like not even like digging deep and coming to any kind of resolution, but just saying it out loud to another human being. So I'm sure it's very liberating for your clients to come to you and, and start working with you. Oh, big time. I mean, I hope so. Um, but I think that there's also just power in the, and as you said, giving voice to it and then actually starting to try it and starting to do it and following through on it. And even if it ends up not being the quote unquote right thing or the thing they end up doing long term, um, I've never heard a client say, Oh, I just really regret doing mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's, what's so powerful about coaching and the coaching process and the time that we spend with our clients. And for me, when I work one-on-one with someone, we work together for a, minimum of four months, but also not that much longer than that. Um, and so they know they have the space to like, 
I'm not only giving them exercises or giving them worksheets or whatever, but I'm making them do the things that they tell you. So it's kind of be careful what you wish for. Um, (laughs) because you know, if you tell me on the intake form that like you have been dreaming of being a writer for years and years, but yet you've never written any of the stories that you have in your head, probably the first thing I'm going to make you do quote unquote is to write a story. Yeah. And that's the homework. And so, depends on um, absolutely. And just doing it and having it be, you know, this is always easier said than done, but like, we're taking the pressure off. I don't make them do anything. I'm not saying to them, you writing the story means you're going to have to pursue a career as a writer. Like it's not it at all, but giving them, giving them that pressure free space to just be like, what is it going to be like to write a story? What is it you want to say? What do you want to talk about? Um, why is it important to you? What would you want to share? Then that leads also to its own like epiphanies and realizations and clarity for them. Oh, I love coaching. Like just uh-huh. hearing you like say all those questions. I'm like, Oh, I- <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. It just can blow your, it can really blow your mind. So Tell me, so say someone's listening to this podcast and they're in their car and maybe they're, maybe they're on, on their way to work or they're at the gym, they're going to go to work tomorrow morning and, and they're, they kind of, you know, they're, they're that woman who's got this, maybe she has a six figure job that she's worked her way up the corporate ladder. And so tell me, what are the signs that you're in a soul? I mean, it sounds very obvious, but I think that we get so many times we get so used to being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. We get comfortable being comfortable is what I like to say. So what are some like telltale signs of someone that needs to work with you, that needs to leave their job, that needs to change careers? Oh my God. Um, the first thing that popped into my head is energy. Just like, just noticing where your energy level is at throughout the day. Where is it when you wake up in the morning? Where is it when you go to bed? Where is it when you're finally done with work for the day and you're home? Um, either, you know, with your family and feeling still very drained and lethargic, or, you know, if you don't have a partner and kids to come home to, like, what are you doing in your free time? Is it just vegging out in front of the television? Is that all you could handle? Or like going out with your friends and drinking every night? I mean, to me, those are really big signs. It's, it's how you're feeling. Um, and then I think it's that piece of how important is it for you to feel authentic and connected and fulfilled in your career? Um, and are you willing to do the work in order to find out what that would look like and then make those changes? And I think, um, you know, I think a lot of people and obviously I have very low tolerance for this. Uh, and as I was getting my coaching Um, certification. I was an executive assistant at a financial consulting company for two years and seven months. And I would hear this from my fellow colleagues all the time, but it's just like, Oh, Oh, I will never be able to find another job. Um, work is, is called work because it's not supposed to be play. Like Mm -hmm. this is, you're supposed to not love your job. Nobody loves their job. This is how it's supposed to be. And so I think when you're someone like that, um, and that's your attitude and perspective, Uh, it takes a lot more work to get off that train of thought and be able to be like, no, you know what? Things can change. I could, I can make a transition. I could figure out how this is going to work. The people that come to me, uh, and sign up to coach with me are at that place where again, they might not know what it is, but they are ready to make the change. And sometimes I hear like, 
I've been thinking about this for two years. I've been thinking about this for three years. And finally, they come to the realization of I'm not getting any younger. Um, they might still have 20 to 30 years of work ahead of them. And they're finally just not going to take it yeah. anymore. That's it. They just, they feel like a fraud. They feel like a fraud or they're really bored. Um, they're really bored. They're not learning anything new. They're not using the skills that they love. Like there's just such a disconnect from what they're doing day to day and what they want to be doing. Um, and that's, and that's really the key, I think. That's yeah. You painted such a great picture and it reminded me of uh, when I was uh, a lot younger, I was 20, gosh, I was, I think I was 21 and I, for myself personally, I, I did, I was not that kid that knew what they wanted to be, which I don't think a mm-hmm. lot of kids do. I think they either make it up or they mm-hmm. do what they, their parents want them to do. But most of my friends went to like really great colleges. I grew up in San Diego. So a lot of them went to USC or UCLA or, or, you know, Florida, all these really great colleges. And I went to junior college and just floundered around and mostly went to the mall and to the beach and parties. <laughs> and then I finally, it was like, my parents were like, okay, you probably should figure something out. So I went to fashion merchandising school because I loved clothes. Seriously, I'm not kidding. Uh-huh, that was uh-huh. my mentality at 19, 20 years old. So I graduated and I got an amazing job as an assistant buyer for a chain of surf shops that um, mm-hmm. were on the West Coast and Hawaii. And it was really like, I'm not kidding you, when the Devil Wars product came out, Michelle, like I was like, that was my life except <laughs> in the surf industry. And oh, it was horrible. Oh my gosh. I, but it was one of those jobs that like every girl would kill for and I got to go to these really amazing mm-hmm. trade shows with all these and I got free clothes and uh-huh. like the cute boys, like the boys that worked for Quicksilver and Billabong and Hurley, like, oh my God, ah, I was in the little heaven. Boys. Oh the my perks God, right. were amazing. The nine to five, or I should say like 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. Oh was gosh. horrible. And what for me was, <laughs> I was crying almost every morning in the shower getting ready for work. Mm-hmm. And the it was a privately owned company and they were terrible. But you know what did it for me was I... I looked around at like the execs and the the higher ups, like the buyers, and I looked at their lives and they just did not seem happy at all. And I remember at 21 years old, I was not evolved at all, but I had enough sense to say, if that's my future, I don't want any part of it. It's so not (laughs) worth it. And I was very superficial and materialistic back then. (laughs) I'll admit. But I left and I got spanked as I left, Uh like the... VP of the company called me in her office and said, like, I can't believe you're leaving to go to a job where she was just a bitch. Uh-huh. Um, so they were mad. And, and like, that was really an indicator too, that it wasn't a great company, but they're not around anymore, but it just like that, it was my intuition. And I think that that's kind of what you were pointing to as well as my intuition said, this is not right. Yeah. And, and again, I think everyone has that like breaking point story. And, and, and I love yours that yours was a realization of looking around at your superiors and being, you know, if I don't want that life, then what am I doing here? And what am I working towards? Um, you know, for, for me, my infamous story, uh, happened, my gosh, before I got that executive assistant job, I was in a um, account management role, which like on paper should have been so perfect. So, you know, just like, your job on paper should have been so perfect, but you wanted to do, this was like a startup company with really young people and everyone was like super, you know, casual and it was in Soho and I was kind of like the liaison between the company and the client. So I was doing my 
you know, client relationship. I like, I feel that I'm such a relationship manager person. Um, and just on paper, it looked great, but I had this boss who, uh, was, you know, abusive, like mm-hmm. <laughs> I just call it like it is. He was so verbally abusive. Um, I think he was so threatened of anyone, not that I would ever want his job, but it, he was so threatened of the people that he managed, um, doing a good job that, no matter how much the clients loved you, he would just berate you and yell at you in front of the whole office. And, um, and it just got to the point where I was on the subway, uh, in New York city going to this job and we pull into union square, which is one of the busiest subway stations mm-hmm. in New York city, in the middle of rush hour, one stop away from the stop that I was supposed to get off to go to work. And I felt so sick to my stomach. I had to run off the train and like, dry heave into the trash can Oh my gosh! in the middle of rush hour. Like, thank God I didn't have breakfast yet or whatever. Like nothing came out, but it was pretty disgusting. And I said like, Oh, obviously I'm really sick. And it shows the hold that this job had on me that I didn't just like get back on the train in the other direction and go home or get, you know, above ground and take a taxi and go home. I was like, I have to make it to the office to grab my laptop so I could work from home. Um, so I did, I like went up to the street and I walked the, you know, 10 to 12 blocks to the office. And I said, I'm really sick. I almost threw up on the train. Like I got to go. And the second I left, I felt fine. Hmm. And that to me was my wake up call. Not only from that job, I needed to get out of that job, but I'm not happy doing this. At that point, I was still kind of kidding myself that um, I was pursuing acting, which I I hadn't at that point for probably a year or so, but I didn't really come to terms with that. And then that was my wake-up call of like, you're not pursuing acting. You're not, this is not the job for you. You have to get out of this situation. It's just not healthy. And like, what is it that you want to be when you grow up? And I really seriously had to look at that. So I think we all have those types of of stories. And hopefully the end result is, you know, where we both are and careers that we love working with people that just make us so excited and, Mm -hmm. and really getting up in the morning and knowing that the things that you have to do that day are things that you are excited to do and want to be doing. Things that are important to you. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm curious to, you know, somebody that maybe somebody that's brand new to this phase in their life, you know, they've gotten to the point where they, they realize they don't want to be in this career anymore and they have maybe an inkling of, of what it is that they would rather do. So what do you, what do you think is the biggest thing that gets in their way and how would they begin to start to overcome that? Oh, yes. Okay. I feel like the biggest thing, because there's so many little things and so many commonalities I feel like we all have, but I think the biggest thing are just the voices in our own heads. Um, I know everyone kind of has their own term for them. I call them the vampire voices because they're there to suck the the good things out of you. Um, And they tell us lots of different things, but I think the main thing they just tell us is that that's never going to work. It's never going to work. Mm -hmm. And they tell you all the reasons why it's never going to work. And they base it off of like nothing factual. right? Right. (laughs) So, you know, I've had clients that have said to me like, Oh, Michelle, you know, I've been dreaming forever about being an interior designer, but I know that, um, uh, interior designers don't make any money. It's like, well, how, how do you know interior designers don't make any money? Haven't they ever seen Designing Women? You'd <laughs> <laughs> be like, Delta Burke seemed like she really, you know, made quite a career for herself. One of the oh best goodness. shows ever. Oh, so funny. But it was the basis of nothing. There's never a reason. Or there's a reason that's 10 years old. It's like, oh, I knew this person 
five years ago. I'm like, it didn't work out for them. So therefore no interior design. Well, everyone says, you know, quote unquote, everyone says. <laughs> right. Always. Everyone says, this is what I read. But like, meanwhile, they can't reference it. It's like years and years and years old, or it's just this belief that like they've had for so long or something that maybe their teacher said, or their parent said, where they just haven't figured it out for mm-hmm. themselves to see, well, how could it work? And there are plenty of successful interior designers. Um, or, you know, we're telling ourselves like, you can't do that without going to school and then spending all this money on, you know, a master's or a bachelor's or whatever. And no one's going to take you seriously unless you, you, you know, so it's like, you're too old. I mean, all of those sort of things all kind of make up for it. So I always say, um, and I think this is honestly, probably the hardest thing to do, but the most important thing to do is when you just start in this process of discovering or trying out what it is you want to quote unquote be when you grow up, um, you have to suspend disbelief. You have to just say, uh, you know what, for the next week, I say like, even give it a time limit for the next week, all those voices that I have in my head telling me why it's not going to work. I'm going to say, well, thank you voices for your opinion. Um, I'll think about that later. And, and, and you push them out for that week. Um, and so you're not focusing on why it's not working. You're just getting information, uh, and really seeing, okay, if I believe that this could work, how does this work? How could it work? Are my assumptions true or false? Um, and so I feel like that's the biggest thing to kind of give yourself a break and say, I'm not going to tell myself that I can't do this mm-hmm. right now. Um, and then what would it look like if I stopped telling myself I can't do this? Yeah. It makes a big difference. Yeah. That's it's so, it's such a great tool. And for anyone listening, you know, that can be applied really to any part of your life. And, mm-hmm. and you know, people that have been listening to me for a while know that I talk about that a lot about untangling your beliefs. And it really starts with the conversation that you're having in your mind because it impacts everything, impacts your Absolutely. behavior, your feelings. I mean, cause that's really where it stems from. And then also like what's coming out of your mouth because a lot <laughs> of times like what is going on in our head comes out of our mouth. So Watch out for that, kids. Yeah, yes. And, you know, and to add on to that, I think that once you kind of find those those trigger words, um, and that's something that, you know, you could work with a, a coach on and your coach could probably tell you, like, <laughs> these are the words that I hear all the time. These are, like, the negative words that lead to these um, limiting beliefs. And so tell your partner, tell your family, tell your parents, like, when you hear me say this word, could you point it out to me? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't even realize it sometimes. Yes. Yes. It becomes yes. just part part of our, just every, it's like breathing. That's what right. I tell people. Like, I mean, I remember the first time I started doing this work and I started learning about that. I was blown away. I was like, you mean that this isn't my truth? All of these right. beliefs that I have? Like, but, but I've been thinking this way for, I, I, you know, for as long as I can remember. It was, it, it's empowering to know that you created that way of thinking. Uh, yeah. And it might be based on stuff that happened in your childhood or past relationships, et cetera, but you absolutely have the power to untangle it and create a new way. It's, it's actually science. Like it is, <laughs> it totally, is, which I'm so not qualified to talk about at all. I really don't know anything about, but I think, I've read. But, you know, but it's so, it so is, I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely science. And I think that, um, not to say, you know, there are plenty of times that you make the realization or you tell 
something to yourself in your head and like doesn't mean that it's going to be acted upon right away or you're really going to believe it. Uh, but there's kind of, I feel like a fake it till you make it peace. And I, and I always feel like trust is the hardest thing in this process, but it's the only thing that you could really, um, use in order to propel yourself forward. Um, but really just, you know, trusting in the process and your own work and, um, that forward movement and just being able to say, you know, like, I'm, I'm just going to move forward as this, this is going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always tell my clients, you know, with every single person that I've worked with personally, um, I have never, 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 not once found the what without found, finding the how I've never had a client that said, I want to be a freelance writer. And then we couldn't figure out a way for them to be a freelance writer in their grown up way and make it a lucrative job or, or have it give them what they need ever, ever. So I think as much as you could trust that, like, Oh, when I figure out the what I'll be able to see the how you might have to think outside the box. You might need to hire someone to brainstorm with you. It's sometimes really hard to kind of do this stuff for yourself. Um, but that's, that's, I think a big piece of the puzzle too. Oh, I love that. So kind of switching gears here. Um, I know that you were a huge fan slash groupie of judge Judy, (laughs) judge Judy. So I want oh you to tell God. us why, like, how does, how does JJ impact your life? Oh tell us gosh, why we should love her too. You were so funny. I will take out my ukulele and I will sing the song Please that won me the contest. <laughs> um, to meet Judge Judy just, uh, two weeks ago. Um, you know, I, I guess I've been watching Judge Judy every weekday morning, I always DVR her show in the afternoon. And then like, for whatever reason, I need my dose of judge Judy justice in the morning. Uh Um, I'm not interested in it later in the day. So I want to wake up and like take my shower and then make my smoothie and my coffee or pour my cereal and like watch my 20 minutes of judge Judy. And I guess, um, I guess I've been doing that for about eight, eight plus years because my husband recently said, yeah, you've been doing this since I've known you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, Oh really? It's been that long. Um, but I think that, you know, judge Judy is this a real, uh, I'm such a recovering people pleaser and I'm, and I'm someone that struggles and still struggles with like saying no. And I want to do all the things and be with all the people. And I think judge Judy is like just this powerful woman. Um, but who, acts, I don't want to say she acts like a man, but she has these characteristics of just like, I'm tough. I know it's right. I know it's wrong. I'm calling the shots. It's my courtroom. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not taking people's excuses. You know, I feel like that helps me in terms of coaching. Like she hears someone making excuses about why they don't have a job or why they lent this person all of this money without a contract or why they did the stupid thing. She's like, that's an excuse. That's not valid. Um, so, you know, she does all of that, but at the same time she has heart and she, uh, wants things to be fair. And, um, you know, she's, she's able to, to call the shots. So there's this like power, um, but in a way that I think translates to me, um, that you could still be nice, (laughs) get things done, uh, without just totally letting people step all over you. Yeah, I because I, I haven't watched her in a long time, but I, I always remember that I always really liked her. And she's, yeah, you explained it so well. And if you guys don't know who she is, like, she is, she's just kind of like the ultimate ass kicker. Like, she she is. does not 
take anyone's shit. Right. She's the original. I mean, it's so funny. Like I started thinking about, you know, the reality shows that I actually DVR as opposed to the ones that I just, you know, Mm -hmm. if I'm sitting on the couch one day and they're on, I'll watch it. But like, you know, it's the million, it's the millionaire matchmaker. It's, uh, Tabitha. Yeah. I love Jillian Michaels too. She has a little bit of that too. Yeah. Who? Jillian Michaels. Oh yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. Um, so it's like, oh, what do all these women have in common? They're all, you know, they're, they're at the top of their class in terms of their business stuff. They know what they're doing. They're not afraid to tell it like it is. And they're, you know, calling the shots and are powerful. And it's like, oh, I see that through line. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm gonna need to start watching more of her too. So that's mm-hmm. it's so cool that you got to meet her too. Oh my god, fan. is so she tiny? Cool. She's very tiny. She's super tiny. I actually said to her, "You're really tiny." She kind of didn't say anything, and I said to Luke, "Oh my god, do you think that I like offended Judge Judy?" <laughs> she's upset that I called her tiny, but uh, no, she's very petite and she's very skinny. Oh yeah, she's kind of she's getting up there, isn't she? Older? Oh, well, she's seventy-two. Wow, yeah. Gosh, she's um the highest paid and most watched daytime show. Hmm. Um, Susie Orman's another woman that's like her that I really uh-huh. like. Yeah. yeah, totally. I need to I need to cut out all these women's faces of magazines and put them up on my vision board. Put them up! Oh my god, I love that. I, I, I just know, gave me a great idea. <laughs> and maybe Judge Judy was kind of the catalyst for it. She's been on, uh, when we were there, they're like, we're shooting season 19. It's like, oh my god. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 20 years of Judge Judy. That's funny. Okay, yeah. I have one more question for you before we wrap it up. Mm-hmm. And I... I read a couple of, I was spending some time on your blog and I read a couple of your blog posts where you were responding. This may have been like a, a few months ago, but you were uh-huh. responding to the whole, like going after your passions is bad advice. Cause like a yes. lot of those articles were going around. Yes. Cause I know that like, you know, life coaching is getting more popular and a lot of these inspirational memes are floating around social media. And so people were writing about that. So can you tell my listeners what your opinion is on that? And, you know, tell us more about that. Yeah. I mean, I think you're talking specifically about, um, it was one of those articles, uh, oh my God, it it made the rounds, uh, times a million. Um, and it was just like, you know, it's not following your passion is like belittling the people who have to do menial work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I just think that that's BS. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, obviously what you, what you're doing for yourself and your own goals and belief system and whatever is for you. It's not for anyone else. So I don't think there's this automatic assumption that, you know, by me, um, being able to quit my job and be the one I grew up coach full time and helping other people find their own thing and do it means that the people who are cleaning toilets aren't doing meaningful work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there's this judgmental piece, um, that really doesn't need to be there. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you know, I had another post about like why it doesn't matter if your dream job is in demand, quote unquote. Um, and you know, we get sucked into like, here are the top 10 jobs of 2014, or here's like, the most popular college majors or here, here are the fields that are hiring. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's, it's just a moot point. I feel like, um, because, you know, if you make your decision based on 
oh, there's always going to be a job for lawyers. And then you become a lawyer because you feel like you could always be employed. Uh, you know, there's a ton of lawyers and there's a whole bunch of law firms. And like, then you're not as unique. You're obviously not interested in what you're doing. You're not going to do it very well if you don't love it, which is going to make you not like an indispensable <laughs> person and someone that's going to have a good career. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, I think that like, follow your bliss, uh, is, you know, um, maybe a bit too, too general or pie in the sky sort of thing. Cause I also have the piece of like me being a quote unquote failed actor and feeling like, you know, if follow your bliss was true, then I would be on Broadway right now, you know, like, but there's something to be said for, um, giving yourself that opportunity of like, I'm doing this because I love it. Let's see what happens. Let's just show up and do the work and see what happens. And, and I felt I've become more and more and more of a hippy dippy. the more and more I do this work because I see it happening with me and I see it happening with my clients that like, once you get that clarity, figure out what you want for yourself and you start talking about it. That's the secret. Then the doors are opening as opposed to you trying to like push the doors open mm -hmm. that are being jammed shut. Um, so I think that, you know, following your passion is a good jumping off point. Yeah. Um, you, you know, and I feel like it's just worth reiterating that like at the end of the day, you're, we're all just really looking for the type of things that we'll wake up in the morning and know that we have to do. And we're happy that we're doing them that like at the end of the day, that's what finding your passionate grown up career is about. Um, and sure there's parts of every job that we're not going to love. Um, but for the most part, we want to just feel like we're getting out of bed this morning and like, we're going to be able to, you know, do things that we enjoy for the vast majority of the day. And like, that's a successful grown up passionate career in my book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. That was actually a, a similar, um, conversation on NPR. I'm recently converted to NPR and that I love the Ted hour and uh -huh. I forget the name of the, um, the name, it might've been, the name of the show might've been success. And Tony Robbins was on there mm. and, you know, Tony Robbins always talking about, you know, following your passion. And, mm. um, he had a different conversation with Mike Rowe of Dirty mm -hmm. Jobs. And uh -huh. it, was just, it was really interesting to hear both of their perspectives. And even Tony Robbins said, yeah, well, sometimes our passions are our hobbies. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think that, again, that goes back to like, it's not a one size fits all solution. I mean, I wish it, I wish it was, I wish mm -hmm. that there was just some formula or some test that I could create or find or give to people and be like, here's a formula, here's what it is. But, you know, there are people that say like, oh, my passion is playing the drums, but I know that if I made that my career, I'd lose that that passion, it would become something else. And so, you know, for those sorts of people, it's like, okay, well then you're the type of person that needs to know you have that built in time to play your drums or to be in your band, or like you have the energy. I'm really all about the energy that you're leaving this job at the end of the day with the energy to go play your drums or write your novel or whatever it is you want to do that, you know, you need these sorts of activities in your life. Right. It's interesting because my, my husband's sort of going through that same thing where mm. he works for um, kind of a smaller corporation in, in Salt Lake City in, um, in software, in, in engineering, you know, engineering software and, and he trains companies and, and it's not a job that he jumps out of bed and is ecstatic to go. And it's, he, he, he likes it. 
Uh He likes it and it, you know, gives us insurance and a stable paycheck and he likes his coworkers and his, you know, and the, the higher ups are, are just fine. And, but, um, you know, his passion is in woodworking. And so Mm. we've had, he and I've had lengthy conversations, you know, about, do you want to start this business? Do you want to, what do you want to do? You know, cause I'm a coach. (laughs) Our poor husband. And, but like, he's kind of at the point where he's not sure if he'd want to, like, he sees people that have like these big shops and they, they are, they have, they have businesses and they're working really long hours and they're working on the weekends and they're making a living, but he's just like, I don't know if I want that. So it's just, it's an interesting journey. And I think that one that, that is kind of personal for everyone and no, neither way is wrong or right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and something like that, it's really interesting. And I love that you're having those conversations with your husband. I mean, you know, I always try to encourage my clients to, to like act as if, Mm -hmm. so if your husband was able to, you know, take a week off of work and act as if his job was woodworking, like what would that be like? And how would he do that? And what would he want it to look like? But it's also interesting hearing you talk about like, Oh, he sees that it's working for other people. Um, he sees that he's able to make a living, but it seems like he also sees, uh, Oh, I, I'm not necessarily willing to put in the hours that mm-hmm. it needs to do this, or I don't want um, such a you know complicated company or setup. I want something smaller. I mean, it could really. I feel like this is where also coaching kind of comes in, and not to gender stereotype, but like women in particular, we don't necessarily want to be moguls and have these big right. empires, and like we just want enough, quote unquote, um, that we could, again, wake up in the morning, love what we're doing, know that we're contributing to the household in the way we need to contribute to the household and that we're filling our days mm-hmm. with things that make us happy. Sometimes I think that men think a little differently. And this is part of the reason why I, I work really now only with women mm-hmm. is that men think differently that like, Oh, I have to make it into the biggest thing. I have to lead this big company when like in reality, no, you don't have to do that. You could still, you know, have a successful shop and quote unquote, just be on Etsy and, you know, in your local farmer's market or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. It's interesting figuring out that, that your own personal version of works for you. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Well, I told everyone in the very beginning where they could find you, but I would love to remind them. So why don't you tell people the best way for them to get a hold of you and find all your best stuff? Absolutely. It's when I grow up coach.com, um, is the one-stop shop. You'll see all my social media buttons, uh, at the top of every page. So I'm really active on Twitter. I'm really active, um, on Facebook, uh, and, you know, you'll see, um, I think the place to start is just, it says new here. Uh, so that'll be easy to find. You'll go to my site for the first time and see new here and click on that page. Uh, cause I've really spent so much time kind of curating my own content as to, uh, what would help you in terms of where you are in your career change process. Um, and for sure, absolutely like sign up for my free newsletter list. You'll get a great, um, video series, 10 ways to discover work that feels like play. Uh, and I just, I, I've had that up since the summer and I just keep getting all these wonderful comments about how helpful it's been. So that's like a, that's a win-win, right? Well, there. and it, you know, go on there just so people can watch you and hear you play the ukulele. Yes, exactly. You know, I think you're the only person I know that plays the ukulele. Really? <laughs> You know, it's gotten so um, hipstery uh, that I definitely like some people that are are picking it up. But yeah, if you want to play an instrument, man, it's definitely I think the easiest one to kind of pick up and learn. Yeah, and it's like you know twenty thirty bucks. I mean, 
when you're a real like renaissance soul like I am and you want to kind of learn all the things and do all the things it's like a really no pressure way to be like so cute. you know it's not the guitar like the guitar just seems so big and scary this is like oh, it's ukulele it's so easy and it's cheap and there's only four strings and it's, it's really anywhere. fun yeah yeah cute. it's really fun well thank you so much it's been so fun talking thank to you I you. always love talking to you but I've, I've never been able to like truly talk to you about what you do and it's so fascinating and I know that a lot of my listeners are in soul-sucking jobs and could really use your help. So head on over there. And thank you again so much, everybody. See you next time for episode 34. Bye. Bye.